Let me have my welcome to that of uh, David's. It's great to be here. I hope you're having a great weekend. Thank you for that um, lovely word, David. And uh, it's so good uh, to gather. Great to see some sunshine. Great that the clocks have gone back or forward. Are you enjoying the longer evenings? I was so excited at 10 to 8 last night that it wasn't completely dark. And uh, we are coming to the end this morning as we approach Easter and uh, the beginning of Easter week next Sunday with Palm Sunday. We're coming to the end of our series of Daring Faith uh, this morning. And I have to say, little confession here, while I love the idea of surfing in the spirit, uh, I am no more inspired to go and find a surfboard and get a wetsuit and start surfing, having been watching that little trailer than I was right at the beginning. Just a little confession from me. So this morning, we are going to be talking about one of the smallest and simplest words in the Bible, which I think is one of Jesus' most favorite. It's an incredibly powerful little word. But before we do, I want to encourage you just for a couple of moments to cast your mind back. If you're here this morning, you may be here and you may be visiting because somebody's brought you along and you may be sort of thinking, I wonder what all of this is about. I wonder what all these people are doing here and and who this God is that they're worshipping. But if you're here and you uh, have a relationship with Jesus, uh, I want you just for a couple of minutes to think back to the time when you first met him when you first began to get to know him, when you first began to discover his love for you, and just identify for a moment who it was that was involved in introducing you to him, as it were. Who was it that was instrumental in that beginning, as it were, of your relationship with him? Maybe it was one person who kind of took you along to something. Maybe it was somebody who was brave enough to initiate some conversations with you. Maybe it was a number of people. Can you identify who they were? Can you identify who they were? And I don't know when you last did this, but maybe let's just take 30 seconds, because I think this is a really good thing to do every now and again, in the quietness of your heart, to thank God for that person or for those people. For that person or those people that he used to play the human part, as it were, alongside the Holy Spirit playing his part in introducing you, in connecting you to the life and the love of heaven. Just take 10 seconds to thank God for those people or for that person. It's good to remember. So you may have already guessed it, the little word we're going to talk about this morning, the simple, straightforward and very powerful little word that we're going to talk about this morning that I think Jesus loved so much is the little word, go. As uh, I've said, he uses it a lot. And as we sometimes say and summarize in a very brief format, Jesus' message and his invitation to uh, his people, those, his children on earth, is very simple and can be summed up pretty much into two words. It's a message of come, isn't it? Come to me. And then it's a message of go. So when he arrives on the scene in Galilee and he begins to sort of uh, gather together some of his friends, his disciples, his message to them wherever he went was come, wasn't it? Come to me. Come and follow me. If you're depressed, come and follow me. If you're disillusioned, come and follow me. If you're weary, come and follow me. If you're worn out, come to me. If you're weak, come to me. If you're hurting, come to me. If you're lonely, come to me. If you're lost, come to me. If you're anxious, come to me. If you're confused, if you're a captive, if you're feeling guilty, if you're struggling with regret, you know, we could go on and on. Jesus says, come to me. 
there's an invitation right from the moment he begins connecting with people under the anointing of the Spirit as a minister, as it were, not just a man. His invitation is, come, come to me. Come as you are. There's nothing you have to do to make yourself acceptable. Just come, come to me. And there's an invitation, as we know, and as we say here over and over again, to every person on the planet, every single human being that has breath in their lungs, that has ever walked and will ever walk the face of the earth, there's an invitation from the God of heaven to come. But then, as we come to him, and as we connect with him, and as we engage with his love, and as we engage with his life, that word come remains, but it sits alongside another word. And he says, go, go into all the world, go and tell, go and show, go and say, go and do. And God is in the business of telling his people to go. God is in the business of telling his people to go. And at the heart of God is that word, go. Go is at the heart of God. Again, right from the beginning of time, if we track the story of God, he's always telling his people to go. He tells Noah to go and build an ark. He tells Abraham to leave his land and go to the land that he's going to show him. He says to Moses, go back to Egypt. He says to Joshua, go and take the promised land. He says to Gideon, go and fight the Midianites. When Isaiah has this incredible encounter with God in worship, And actually, all of our encounters in worship, in one sense, when we have a revelation of God, should work out like Isaiah's did. God says, who shall I send? You know, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah says, I will. You know, right in the heart of his worship encounter, Isaiah was told to go. Jesus didn't come to start a religion, did he? He came to start a movement, a movement of people. And when people move, they go. They come and they go. He didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a movement. And we are to be a people who move, moving with him, coming to him and going with him to the places that he wants to take us. God is a God who goes and he sends his people to go. He sent Jesus. Jesus came, didn't he? Jesus left heaven and came to earth. God is a God who goes. He sends his people to go and we cannot be connected to God and take him seriously and allow him to to have room in our lives and uh, allow him to lead without engaging with this word go. It's one of Jesus' favourite words. So we're going to turn to the passage for this morning. One of uh, Jesus' parables, he told all kinds of stories uh, as he was helping people to, to, to engage with the, with the picture and the message of life with him. And if you want to read it in your Bibles, um, it's in Luke chapter 14. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 16. Actually, I'm just going to grab my water. So it's going to come up on the screens. Uh, and this is a parable that Jesus told uh, having, having been engaged with the conversation uh, with some people about heaven. So Jesus said this, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. 
The servant returned and told his master what they'd said, and his master was furious, and he said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. I'm slightly intrigued by that because I don't know who lived behind or underneath hedges in those days, but never mind. Go behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come. There's that word again. So that the house will be full. For none of those that I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now, this is not a story about feeding people, about going to find people to feed. This is a picture of heaven. That's the context. As I said, Jesus has been talking to some people, and a Jew in particular, that made a comment about being with him in heaven, which we'll come back to in a moment. But Jesus is painting a picture of heaven. Now, I don't know when you last thought about heaven or when you last had a conversation with somebody about heaven. I don't know that we talk about heaven very much, as it were, as as a real place, as a destination. We talk about heaven breaking into our experience on earth now, but I wonder how much we think about and talk about heaven as in the place where we're going to um, spend, as it were, our future with God. I wonder what comes to mind when you think about heaven, when I say that word. I wonder what you think about when you think about heaven. I wonder what questions you have about heaven. I know one of my questions uh, when I get to heaven will be about, you know, or maybe it'll be answered when I get there. I have a question about heaven which kind of is about how are certain things going to be in heaven that some people love that I absolutely hate if heaven is going to be one of those places that we all love to be. As some of you know, we had, um, in the last place that we used to live, we had a plague of rats and uh, we learned all kinds of various ways of dealing with rats and how to destroy them. Uh, but on one particular occasion, we had a young man from the pest control people to come and see if he could help us out. And uh, he spent his time telling me that he absolutely loved rats and had kept one as a pet. I absolutely hate rats, uh, partly because of the experience we had with them in this house. And I'm kind of thinking, well, if he was going to be in heaven and he absolutely loves rats, and I'm going to be in heaven and I absolutely hate rats, are rats going to be in heaven? I don't know. Maybe we could talk about that over coffee. (laughs) What do you picture? What do you imagine? What do you think of when you think about heaven? I wonder. I think some people want to stereotype heaven or we can end up, as Christians, sometimes stereotyping heaven as being a kind of place where we're going to be singing worship songs non-stop forevermore. Maybe it's because we think, sing lines like, you know, we've got a thousand years to uh, 10,000 years to sing your praise. I used to be absolutely terrified, if I'm really honest, that that's what heaven was going to be like. We were going to be singing the whole time. And it actually used to make me quite depressed. And I used to sort of say to God, I'm really sorry, but if that's what we're going to be doing, I don't know if I'm going to really like it. I don't know if, you know, that's been your experience. I think sometimes we think about heaven as being a bit like a sort of place that's blue sky and clouds with kind of, you know, naked little angels lying back, you know, reclining with harps and some kind of ethereal sort of place. But let me ask you a question. If you were looking for somewhere to go out in Cheltenham to go and have a meal and you're wondering where to go and wondering where to, um, you know, where serve the best food, how would you discover where to go? You'd ask around, wouldn't you? And if you were thinking about a particular restaurant, you'd look for somebody who'd been there and you'd ask them to give you you their review or maybe you'd look on TripAdvisor. 
there's only one person that's been to heaven, that's lived in heaven, that designed heaven, that knows all about heaven, that has come down to talk about heaven, who knows all about it, and that person is Jesus. And Jesus talks a lot about heaven because he wants heaven to be part of our day-to-day mindset. And he talked about heaven as being a real place. And he talked about heaven in this parable as being like a banquet, as being like a celebration, as being the most incredible experience. He's saying, it's going to be like this incredible feast. He's describing this generous, extravagant master who has this massive home. You didn't go out and buy and hire a hotel, you know, in those days to have your party. If you put on a party like the one he's describing here, well, the owner of, uh, you know, the host of the party would own the home. And uh, he's describing a place with this incredible banquet and said, it's going to be like the best party, the party to end all parties. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you think about a party that you've been to, you know, a really, really good party. Think of the best party you've been to. Maybe it was with lots of family members that you absolutely kind of loved getting together with. Maybe it was with a lot of friends. But, you know, think of the atmosphere. Think of the vibe. Think of what was going on. Think about why you liked it. Think about the laughs and the joy and the celebration and the food and uh, all that goes on to make it a fantastic occasion. And Jesus is saying, in some small way, heaven is going to be like this. Do you know we're going to be more exhilarated in heaven than we have ever been on earth? Somebody once said that the the best day in heaven, uh, the best day on earth, our best days on earth will be kind of worse than the, the worst days in heaven. And I think it's really true. We are going to be more alive in heaven. We are going to be more exhilarated when we're in heaven. You will feel more loved in heaven than you have ever felt here on earth. You will feel more safe, more full of joy, more full of life than we have ever felt here. And Jesus wants us to get a taste of what heaven is like. He talks about heaven a lot. But in this parable, he says three particular things about this party that I want us to focus on for the remainder of our time. He says three particular things, uh, which of course are massively significant. That's why he's painting this picture. He says, firstly, everybody's invited. He says, firstly, Everybody's invited, and I know we know that, but it's good to remind ourselves of it. This extravagant party in God's home is not an exclusive event. It's not an event for elite people who fit into certain categories. Everybody's invited, including the people who live behind hedges. It doesn't matter who you are, and maybe some of us need to hear this again this morning, it doesn't matter what you've done, It doesn't matter what's gone wrong with your life, what you regret, what you would change if you could, what you haven't done. The invite isn't based on the contribution you've made, the history you've got, whether you're a fantastic guest to have at a party, whether you're going to bring the entertainment. This invitation to God's party, to spend life in heaven with God, it's an invitation to everyone, everywhere. Everybody is invited. God has a big home and the heart of the host in this story, you know, the point of it is that he wants it full. Go out, 
They come back and they say, we've asked everybody. He says, well, there's more room. Go out and ask some more people to come. God wants his party full. So that's the first thing. Everybody's invited. But here's the second thing that Jesus is making really clear in this story. We have to RSVP. We have to make a response. God wants a response. It's no good leaving the invitation in your inbox to come to later. It's not like a thing on Facebook that you can kind of press or you know, turn up to the event even if you haven't replied. God asks for an RSVP. There was a lady uh, called Ruthanna Metzger and she was a professional singer and she wrote a book called Not in the Book. And in the book, she tells her story of being invited to sing at this incredible uh, millionaire's wedding reception, which uh, took place in the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower. And after an hour of partying, the bride and groom, they climbed the staircase to the top floor at the wedding feast, uh, for the wedding feast as it was about to begin. And at the top of the stairs of this incredibly lavish reception, there was this satin ribbon. And uh, there was a man standing next to uh, this satin ribbon with a book. And as the guests made their way up the stairs, uh, he asked each guest for their name. And as this singer, who'd been singing at the reception, Ruthanna, got there, she introduced herself and her husband, Roy. And she spelled her name out for the man, and he searched, and he couldn't find her name in the book. And in the end, he said, look, I'm really sorry, but without your name in the book, you can't attend the wedding breakfast. And she said, there must be a mistake. I'm the singer. I was invited to do the entertainment. I've been entertaining everybody. He said, I'm really sorry. It doesn't matter who you are. Your name is not in the book, no matter what you've done, and it needs to be to join the wedding banquet. And she and her husband were motioned to the lift as the orchestra continued to play and filled this room with amazing music. An attendant showed them to the list, Uh, to the lift. He put his hand in the lift, pressed the button G for ground floor. And uh, she stood in the lift with her husband and said nothing for a bit. And uh, she began to remember the day that the invitation had arrived. And she put the invitation on the side somewhere and she'd she'd forgot about it because life was busy. And uh, she'd never got round to replying. But underneath it all, she was kind of somehow convinced, well, because she was the singer and because she'd been invited to to do the entertainment, she'd be let in anyway. And she finishes her story by saying this. She began to weep. She began to weep because it began to dawn on her that whilst this was just, as it were, a human wedding reception, this would be the experience of many, many people as they approached the door of God's home. People who were too busy to reply to his invitation. People who thought that somehow the good things that they'd done or somehow the life that they'd lived would be enough to guarantee them entry into God's home and into God's party when the time came. And she sobbed and she sobbed and she sobbed as she realised that their names wouldn't be in the book. And Jesus calls it the book of life doesn't he? He talks about it as the book of life. It's your name in it. It's my name in it. We all have an invitation. Everybody's invited, but we have to RSVP. We're invited to this relationship with God, to do life with God, to follow him, to hang out with him, to let him lead us, because of course, in the end, 
that's all the party's about. God's not going to force himself. God's not going to force himself. He's not going to force his home. He's not going to force life on us with him after we die if we don't want it while we're here now. Who's going to want to go to his party and spend eternity with him, hanging out with him, doing life with him, being loved by him and loving him back if we don't want that now? God issues the invitation now and we get the opportunity to RSVP this side of the grave. Is your name in the book? I'm sure it is. I'm sure you've RSVP'd, but if you're here this morning and actually that invitation is sitting on the side and you haven't quite decided what to do with that invitation to life and relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to be intentional about your response and to give him that choice. Life outside, as it were, not being allowed into the banquet. It's not a punishment, as some people seem to suggest. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make here on earth. And Jesus makes it clear that an RSVP is required. A response is required. And the guy that he's telling this story to, the Jew, at the end of the previous uh, verse, before this parable begins, he's made an assumption that because of the way he lived, he's going to end up at the banquet. And Jesus tells him this story uh, to let him know, no, you need to make your response beforehand. Look at the responses in the story made by the first bunch of people that were invited. They made all kinds of excuses. They made all kinds of excuses. Somebody said, I've got a property. I've got a field. I've got a property. I've got to go and sort my property out. It needs some work on it. I've got to fix it. I've got to improve it. Somebody else said, I've got a new business. I've got some oxen. They need some attention. My business is demanding everything I've got at the moment, my time and my energy. And the third guy said, well, I just got married. I've got a new relationship. It's my family. My family are really important at the moment and I haven't got time for God. Who knows if they thought that somehow later things might change. But those excuses, those excuses in the moment, according to Jesus in this story, were deemed to be their responses. They were deemed to be the RSVP, even if that wasn't what they were intentionally intending to communicate. Jesus said those were the no thanks. Jesus says an RSVP is needed. But let's just be clear about something. Again, something that we don't talk about here necessarily particularly often. A no thanks to this invitation of life with God, to his love and to his life and everything that he offers, it doesn't therefore mean no life when we die. It just means no life without him when we die. And God wants us to have life with him now and life with him when we die. Jesus makes it crystal clear here. God wants everyone to join him. But we get the invitation while we're on earth and we get our opportunity to respond while we're on earth. So... Everyone's invited. We all have to make an RSVP. There's an RSVP required from each one of us. And the third thing from this story that, makes, that Jesus makes it really clear is that when we've responded and when we've said yes, please, to that offer of relationship and life with him, we get to be on the inviting team. We get to join the inviting team. We then become the inviters, as it were, with God. If you're in God's family... 
I'm in God's family. We are the ones that are entrusted with the invitations to go out and hand them round. I'm just going to bring my... Uh, some of you have seen my rope before. It's a bit of a budget prop. Not kind of very Blue Peter standard. But I like my rope. You'll know this about me. Uh, we are only on earth... On, for a very short time, we know that. It feels like an eternity for some of us. You know, my week has felt like about, you know, four years. But we're only on earth for a very short time. And there are all kinds of things while we're here on earth that all kinds of people can do. And uh, lots and lots of variety. There are all kinds of tasks that need to be done on earth, but that don't require a Christian to do them. They're important tasks. They're very significant tasks. They're life-changing tasks on earth for many people. And I, by saying that, I'm not suggesting that Christians shouldn't do them. We, all kind of, we have all kinds of gifts and abilities and uh, callings in one sense, as it were, to do all kinds of different things. But there are some things on earth that only Christians can do. And only Christians can offer out the invitations to life with God, to this party in heaven. Only Christians can tell other people about the nature and the heart and the life and the love of God. Nobody else can do that job. Nobody else can do the inviting, as it were. And I think sometimes we can get a bit overcomplicated about the whole notion of calling. What am I called to? What's my calling in life? We all have a whole pile of different callings because God's made us very different and unique individuals with different characters, different gifts, different experiences, different passions. And it's important to explore that. But you know, Jesus makes it very simple in one respect. We're called to go and invite people to the party and tell people that there is fe this feast in heaven, there is a life and a love in heaven that is longing for them to respond to so that they, they spend eternity with the Father. This is your call. This is my call to go, to go and invite people to this party, as it were, because the Father wants a full house. And you might want your family members to be at that party. I know I do, and I'm contending for them. But God wants all of his family members, even the ones that I don't particularly know or have a particular passion to see come. He wants them all to come because they're his kids. And he wants us to be going and inviting everyone and everyone to this party. This is my rope. Some of you will have seen it before. Uh, it's very long. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. This white bit on the end kind of is like the equivalent of life on earth. And the rest of the blue bit is like eternity. Because eternity goes on and on forever, doesn't it? And we can get so caught up, can't we? In investing and thinking and putting all our energy into this little bit of time that we spend on earth. And forgetting about the rest of the rope that is eternity. And where we spend eternity is so, so, so desperately important to God. And he wants us to spend our time while we're here on earth making a difference to the eternity of other people. So it's not that all of our other callings don't matter, but let's remember, let's allow him to remind us this morning that we have a call to go and invite people into this party and banquet and eternity with a God of heaven who absolutely loves them and died for them.
So I want to finish today by reminding us of two very simple uh, invites, the way we can invite people, things we can invite people to that I believe God wants to stir up in us again. Firstly, you know, what, we could do a whole sermon series on, you know, what to invite people to and how to invite people, what inviting looks like, but I think we can also make it incredibly simple. Let's be, let's be thinking again, let's be encouraging ourselves again, let's be encouraging each other again to invite people to an event. It's so straightforward to invite people to events. How they respond may not be straightforward, but it's straightforward to invite people to events. God wants to encourage us with our inviting, to encourage us in our commitment to seeking out those opportunities to invite people to things. Let this mandate of being an inviter liberate you if you need liberating. Jesus isn't saying we need to persuade people to come. He isn't saying we need to uh, bully people to come to things. He isn't saying we need to be fantastic debaters and be able to answer every question that people have on faith. He isn't saying we need to plead with them to come or to drag them to come to anything. He's just saying we need to invite. And inviting somebody to something is merely putting an invitation on the table verbally and leaving the response to them. When I uh, was at university... It's where I began my relationship with God. It's where he discovered me, or he found me, and I found him. And I discovered that he loved me, and he died for me, and he wanted to do life with me. And there was this offer to relationship. And that began for me by just talking to a girl at a garden party, at a cocktail party, one summer's evening, and she invited me to her church. It was simple as that. But there was something in me that wanted to say yes, I was ready to go and I went along with her to church on that Sunday morning and my life began to change as a a result. God began to speak to me through the talk, I began to connect with some people there and uh, my relationship with him began because somebody invited me to a church service. It was as simple and as straightforward as that. I'm sure that will be your experience for some of you. There are all kinds of things going on in this church family across the town. You know, let's be inviting people to join in, to join us, to come to some of the things that are on, including a church gathering on Sunday. That was all God, it took for God to get hold of me. It's the Holy Spirit's job to open their eyes, to see him, to understand, to receive, to get his love. And maybe some of us have become a bit weary of our inviting because of some of these experiences that Jesus is, you know, picking out in this story. Do you want to come to Alpha? Uh, well, I've got my house and we're doing, you know, we're doing an extension maybe later on. Do you want to come to Refresh? That's the women's morning we have once a month uh, for people to just come and hang out with, with, you know, the girls in the family here. Well, you know, my family, it's a bit tricky. I'm not really, you know, that's not really where I'm at at the moment. You know, why don't you come to church with me? Well, you know, my business is really overwhelming at the moment. Maybe some of us here are weary of inviting because of some of the responses that we've, we've had. Let this story encourage us again this morning. Those responses aren't a reflection on you and your method of inviting. They're not a reflection of what you've invited people to. Jesus says that there are going to be excuses. But what does the Father say? Go out, find some more people to invite. Go out, find some more. And maybe let's just keep inviting the people that have actually turned us down. I had, um, there was a lady here who became a friend when she'd done Alpha uh, a number of years ago. The reason she ended up doing Alpha was because her friend invited her seven times. 
And on the seventh time, and she said this herself, the reason she decided to come and try Alpha was because she couldn't face saying no again. <laughs> I think that's really cool. If people are going to say no, and, you know, I'm doing this or whatever, you know, let's out-know them. You know, let's not take no for an answer, and let's keep, you know, let's keep going with the invites. Have that, practice that little phrase. Would you like to come to dot, dot with me? Would you like to come to church with me? Would you like to come to Alpha with me? Would you like to come to the London Community Gospel Choir with me? Would you like to come to an Easter gathering with me? You know, God wants to stir up just our willingness to dish out those invitations again. And the other thing we can, you know, I just want to suggest here again, remind us here, because again, I think this is something we've been so good at, actually, as a church family, and pressed into a lot, but we always need to be stirred up again, don't we? Because of the sort of comeback that we can end up getting, the discouragement that goes with it. You know, let's also and not just invite people or be ready to invite people to events, but to invite people into encounters. You know, so many of us are surrounded by people at work or in the playgrounds or, you know, in the street, you know, neighbours, whatever, and, and, and people will share their struggles. So many people around us are struggling with all kinds of issues, whether it's a pain in the body or, you know, a pain in the family, you know, a relationship that's not going well or a, a job situation. It doesn't take much to invite them into an encounter and say, can I just pray for you? Can I just pray for you? And a short prayer that God would bless them with his peace or that Jesus would reveal something of his love to that person. You know, it takes a step of faith. This has been a series about daring to go in faith. But if we will dare to take that step to invite people into an encounter or invite people to an event, you know, the rest is up to God. The rest of it is up to God. We're on the inviting team. That's all, in one sense, that we've been called to do. I'm going to finish with this. You know, let's remember, as we, as we sort of press in again, because I really believe that this is what God is wanting to stir up in, in us again, this kind of commitment, this desire to be effective in inviting. You know, let's remember to bathe everything we do in inviting God to do this kind of stuff in us and through us. You know, I've been freshly challenged again by the Holy Spirit this week. You know, hills, when you pray for opportunities, you get more opportunities than when you don't pray. <laughs> you know, when I pray for opportunities to invite people, you know, to an event or to encounter, I get more opportunities than if I don't. So let's be inviting God again to open our eyes, to give us those opportunities and to open our eyes to them when they come. Because he is preparing this incredible feast, this incredible banquet, this incredible party for the people he loves. And it is going to take our breath away, but he wants his house to be full. Jesus has done everything he needed to do. You know, he did everything when he died on the cross. And the mandate is now to us to go and invite people into all that he has prepared for them. And he will do the rest. So why don't we stand and we're just going to spend a few more moments inviting God to do the bit in us now in these remaining moments that he wants to do. So if you're a visitor here or 
Maybe this is the first time that you've come. We just like to finish our services in this particular way and uh, allow God a few more moments, allow the Holy Spirit, you heard David talking about the Holy Spirit before we love the activity of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God who does the work of God in us so that we can then go and do the work of God beyond uh, the walls of this place. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And we're just going to welcome the Holy Spirit again. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. We invite you to come. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are the bringer of life. Thank you that you bring the life of God to us, that you release the life of God in us, and you empower us to take the life of God to others. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been here. He's here now. I actually believe that some of you, you just know what it is that God is wanting to do in you in this moment by way of response. You know that he's calling a particular response from you. He's stirring something in you. And you just know that you need to respond in a particular way. Don't wait for a particular word or a a particular prompting. Just make that response to him. Make that response to him. this morning and you just know that you haven't given your own you haven't been specific in your response to Jesus in responding to his invitation to you of life to his invitation to relationship I want to encourage you this morning to do that to seal the deal as it were to give him your yes and to invite him into your life. If you know that you need to do that or you want to do that, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front or down to my left-hand side and uh, somebody will pray with you. I believe there's a number of things that the Lord wants to do here this morning. I think somebody else might have a word or two that they can come and add. I just feel there's an invitation with these words, come and go, that for some of us here, Jesus is saying, come. Actually, you just know that he's inviting you to come as you are. 
and to exchange what it is that you are carrying that is too heavy or is too overwhelming or is too burdening for you and that he might give you his rest, his life, his lightness of spirit. You know, at the cross, there's the possibility for an exchange and there's an invitation this morning for you to come, for you to come and give him that stuff that you are carrying that is too heavy for you and he will take it and give you his peace. So if that's you and you just know that he's inviting you to come and that you need to come to him again and do business with him, I want to invite you to come to the front. Maybe begin to wait, make your way down to the front and maybe some of the people um, who are here who are happy to pray can do that too. Just had a picture of a woman in particular. I don't know if there's a woman here that's got back pain, but I saw this picture of a woman bent over and I had a sense, maybe it was a, a spiritual thing, um, or whether it was a physical thing to do with your back, but had the sense of an acute anxiety and that God wanted to lift off that, that anxiety off you this morning. I think there's a fresh calling here for empowering to go. You know, Jesus tells us that we need power to be his witnesses. And some of you know that you just want a fresh filling of his spirit to be empowered to go. An anointing on your lips you know, we, we don't invite in our own strength. We go and invite others. We go and invite others into encounter in the power of His Spirit. And Jesus said, you need power to be my witnesses. And if that's you and you know, or you would love, or you, you know that you need, or you'd love a fresh anointing to be effective in your going, then again, I want to encourage you to come and allow somebody to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, just make your way down.